Good morning, Living Hope. Happy, happy new year. Good to see everybody. You guys sounded great this morning. Good worship. Awesome time. Awesome to see uh, Joe Gustafson up here playing bass. Awesome. So good. Awesome. It's like, I love it when we find out our kids have talent. It's awesome. It's just great. And they get to use them for God and just, just, just awesome. So uh, I, I love that you guys are all, so this is one of those test Sundays, right? This is one of those test of faith Sundays where you find out who really loves Jesus, right? We get to measure ourselves against everybody else. And either we're the ones that love Jesus more or we're the ones that had no friends to celebrate with last night, right? That's, that's the way this, that's the way that runs. All right. So anyway, that's good. Good to see everybody here, and uh, and, and I'm excited about uh, today. So, you know, it's New Year's, and a lot of talk about uh, resolutions and stuff, and and this is that time of year when we all do everything right, right? It's it's that time of year when we all get that fresh start on our our health and our good habits and and everything else, and, and for the next, you know... A uh, couple days or a couple of weeks, we're we're solid, we're golden, right? And and uh, and then, but if you're like me and you make those New Year's resolutions, a lot of times they tend to fizzle. And so I wanted us to be, uh, rather than a people that are about making resolutions this morning, let's be a bit people about starting a revolution this morning, Amen. So there's a revolution to be started when it comes to our faith in Jesus Christ, and a revolution that I think our community is hungry for extremely hungry for. And, and I can't wait. And I don't, I don't know, like, here's the deal. When, if, if you're from Dixon or the surrounding area, this is a pretty great place to live in terms of, um, it's just nice. It's just nice. I mean, it, it feels like we all, you know, live in, in pretty nice, uh, areas, pretty nice places. It's a nice community to raise kids in. It's a nice community to hang out in. Uh, you know, you can, uh, even though things are changing and, you know, if you get on Facebook very much, you're, you're going to hear all kinds of stories about how Dixon's going to hell in a handbasket and all kinds of stuff like that. It's still a pretty good place to live, right? Amen. And, and, and so I, I feel like even though that's the case, even though it, Dixon is a pretty good place to live, what I also know about Dixon and the surrounding areas, if you're from Vacaville or Davis or, or uh, you know, uh, wherever else, then what I know is this, is that there's also in this very nice community where, where everything seems to be okay with most everybody, there's also a lot of hurting people around us. A lot. And, there, and, and, and let's, let's, let's scale it down from there. Here's, the, here's one of the things I think we do as Christians. We make the mistake of, of assuming that people only come to Christ when they're hurting. And Christ didn't just come to save the hurting. He came to save everybody. Amen. And so here's the deal, whether you had a great year or a horrible year or whatever, or whether your neighbors or your family or your friends or your coworkers or your fellow students had a great year or a horrible year or whatever, um, Jesus came for all of us. He came for all of us. And there is a revolution to be started in this community that I think God is going to use us in, in a very instrumental way this year. And if you've ever done any study of human history, uh, you know, world history or whatever, any of the great revolutions that were ever started uh, tend to be started with, um, with, with young people, oppressed people, poor people, um, people who feel put down, whatever. This is where revolution tends to start. And, and Jesus kind of keyed into this idea when he came on the scene. I want to read a passage this morning where uh, Jesus kind of, uh, you know, he had been playing it pretty cool up until this point in terms of, you know, when he would get out in front of people and talk, they, he kind of led them to, be, not led them to believe, but 
allowed them to believe that he was just kind of this uh, prophet. This, he, everybody knew he was from God. You know, he was turning water into wine and he was feeding people by the thousands and all kinds of stuff. They knew he was a prophet from God. They knew there was something special about him. But he had kind of kept the news that he was God, or even at first that he was the Messiah that they were expecting, this, this redeemer, rescuer that they were expect, expecting. He kind of kept that a little bit quiet. And then he, as he's, he's, he's traveling around and preaching and teaching around the, the area that we know is the Galilee area, there's the sea of Galilee. That's the one that Jesus walked across. And uh, in that Galilee, it, yeah, a lot of times when we hear the word sea, we think ocean. Galilee is about exactly, almost exactly the same size as Lake Tahoe. It's about that. And there were these communities all around the outside of that big sea or lake, as we might probably call it. And, uh, and so he's doing all of his ministry and all his traveling and his teaching and stuff around that area. And he, he decides, let's make a stop in my hometown. And Jesus' hometown was this uh, town called Nazareth. And so he heads back to Nazareth, and it's the Sabbath day. But for the Jews, they would have called the Sabbath day Saturday. It's Saturday. It's a Sabbath day. Time to spend some time with God. So he goes, takes him and his, his disciples to the synagogue there in that town. It's a little place like this where they would just come together and hear teaching and, and, uh, and teach the kids about the Lord and, and the scriptures and that sort of thing. And, uh, and so this is where we kind of pick up the story. So we're in Luke chapter 4. Uh, starting with verse 16. Uh, I'm going to cough and then I'm going to read. Ready? <coughs> All right. We're good. All right. Luke chapter 4, start with verse 16. He says this, uh, uh, and, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as was his custom, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. And he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it is written. Now, I'm going to stop right there for just a second and just say that I just find it interesting that Jesus goes to the synagogue and he, you know, they probably, I think one of the other uh, gospels actually explains it, that he was kind of invited up to read. You know, he had started to develop some fame as a, as a, a great teacher, a potential prophet from God. And, uh, and so, hey, Jesus is back in town. Jesus, why don't you come up here and, and, uh, and read some scripture to us? And so they hand him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. And Jesus kind of goes through the scroll. He's looking for a very particular passage. And I just find it very interesting that, that they hand the scroll, these words of scripture, to the one who wrote the words, to the one who inspired those words, inspired the men who would put those words onto that parchment, onto that paper, and, and he knows exactly where he wants to go. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's not, there, there's nothing. Now, now, it was very common in those synagogue settings for them to teach about this Messiah that would come and, and deliver Israel out of exile, deliver them to a, a strong nation once again, a, a powerful nation, a, peace, a, a time of peace and prosperity. This Messiah would lead them into that. So it was very common as they went to the synagogue that they would teach each other and teach the children in particular that be on the lookout for the Messiah. And this is what he'll, this is what he'll do. This is the kind of the ways that you'll, the signs to look for that you'll know that it's, it's, he's the one. And Jesus was, people were starting to whisper that maybe it was Jesus. Maybe Jesus could be the Messiah, you know, could it, and, and that was the question that was going around in rumors. And could you think it could be him? Do you think it, it might, Jesus might be the one. And Jesus picks up this scroll that's handed to him. He turns, he unrolls, it gets to the part that he wants to read. And this is what he reads from the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah. Uh, we're in verse 18. It says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. And he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty 
those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Now, every good Jew back in that time knew that this was one of those passages that was a reference to this coming Messiah. They knew that. And so it was, it was not uncommon for Jesus to kind of get up and, and give a teaching about the Messiah to say, this is kind of what you should be looking for. But Jesus didn't give a teaching about the Messiah. He, read, he reads this passage and, and, and in the first person, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And this is what happens next in verse 20. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. That's where we're going to stop for today. So let me, let me kind of, Jesus, rather than saying, this is the Messiah that you're looking for, keep, keep your eyes out for him. And when he comes, Jesus basically rolls up the scroll as everybody's all quiet. And he says, it's me. It's me. Today, these words are being fulfilled and they're being fulfilled in me. And about that time, there, you know, if you different uh, gospels tell it a little bit differently, but at first, uh, the, the, the way they receive that news is, oh, okay, that's, that's good news or whatever, you know. And can, can you imagine that it came out of, Na- he, the Messiah is coming out of Nazareth. And then Jesus gives them some other news that's not so flattering to them, and they lose their mind and they try to kill him, right? And, and so, but here's the, well, I don't want to focus on that part of the story, though. Uh, that's just for free. Take that home and look it up. So what I want to focus on is, is, is this idea of Jesus coming to do those things that he said he was coming to do, that Isaiah predicted that he would do, that he would proclaim good news to the poor. Why is, why is, why is the poor such a big deal to God? Does anybody ever wonder that? Like, why is God such a big uh, a fan of the poor or, or, or a supporter or, uh, uh, you know, rescuer of the poor? Why, why does God care so much about poor people? And, and, and the reason is, you know, there's been a lot of talk in recent years uh, with all the 99 and 1% and stuff that, so that's been happening in the news and, and uh, you know, this extremely wealthy class and, and, uh, and, and all, you know, everybody else kind of in this uh, lower to lower middle class or, you know, whatever, and just the unfairness of things. If you think un- things are unfair now in very, very prosperous America, you would have lost your mind in, uh, you know, turn of the millennium. Uh, Israel, because it was extremely, extremely unfair. There were a very small handful of wealthy people, and everybody else was just pretty much dirt poor, dirt poor, living in shacks and and you know no uh, uh, luxuries. Here's the thing: that even if you're in the lower class uh, or or poorer class of our nation today, most of you still have far more luxuries than uh, people back then have. And people even today uh, around other parts of the world that would be considered in the uh, poorer classes of those countries that we live a very blessed, like it's all relative, right? Like, like your, your class, your, your, your level of wealth, whether you consider yourself wealthy or poor or whatever, it's all relative to, to where you are. But, but here, here's why Jesus was such a big uh, uh, supporter of the poor, why, why the poor is such a big deal to God is because he knew the poor, those people that, that, that struggle day in and day out to make ends meet and work hard and everything else. He knew the poor are the ones that are crying out to him most often for rescue. The poor are the ones crying out to him most often 
for rescue. Some of us in this room really identify with that. You find yourself constantly in a position where you are like, I don't know how I'm going to do this. I don't know how we're going to make this work. And you're just crying out to God, you know, God, give me, you know, bless me, give me a job, help me win the lottery, you know, whatever it is you're praying. And you are just, you're constantly crying out to him. And Jesus here in this passage says, here, here's, here's the deal. Here's the deal. I'm, I've got some good news for you that are poor. Now, Jesus defined poor differently, though, than most of us define poor. In Matthew chapter 5, he, he opens up his Sermon on the Mount. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. In other words, what Jesus was saying was this. He was like, for those of you who know you can't get to God on your own, you have nothing to bring to the table when it comes to you and your relationship with God. You are completely impoverished spiritually and in need of rescue spiritually. I've got some good news for you. I've got anybody identify with that, that idea that I don't have much to offer God, but thank God he's got so much to offer me. He's got so much to offer me. He, is, he was sent to proclaim liberty to the captives. Liberty to the captives. Now they, the, the Jewish people viewed themselves as captives. They were oppressed. They were under Roman rule and Roman control. And, 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 and the idea of being freed from that. And Jesus took, took that political idea and kind of turned it on its head. And he's like, I, I, you are all captive whether you realize it or not. And you're captive to your own sin. I'm going to set you free from that. To give recovery of sight to the blind. Who here that has been a, a Christian for any amount of time could raise your hand and go, you know, once I started following Christ, my eyes were open and I started seeing things in the world a little bit differently than I saw them before. That's Jesus bringing sight to those of us who were once blind. Suddenly the world begins to make sense. Suddenly things that were important aren't important and vice versa. Suddenly we, get, we begin to see systems at play in the world that are um, that are, uh, you know, that support the Lord and systems at play in the, in the world that are anti-God and, you know, things like that, that we, our eyes become opened, right? To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This was Jesus' way. You know, see, the Jewish people, all the way back from, you know, the middle of the Old Testament, had been in exile. In other words, on and off controlled by other nations. They had lost the favor of the Lord. The Lord had warned them, if, you don't, if you're not faithful to me, if you don't follow me, if you don't stay faithful to me and my worship and everything else, then I, I will remove my favor from you. I will remove my presence from you. And so they still, even now under Roman control, still considered themselves to be in exile. Exile had not ended. And Jesus is saying, this is the year. This is the year the favor of the Lord comes back upon you right now. This is the year when you realize God has not forgotten you. Now, the point I want to bring out in all of this, talking about this idea of kind of revolution for our community today, is this, that those same promises, those same things that Jesus set out to accomplish in the lives of people 2,000 years ago, he still desires to accomplish in the lives of people all around us today, including us. You know who needs a revolution this year, this 2017? You know who needs a revolution? Everybody you love. Everybody you love. All your friends and all your neighbors and all your, all, all your friends at school and your coworkers and your family members that are far from God. They need a revolution, and they are, many of them, so ready for it. 
Like some, there, you got people in your life that you've been praying for for years that they would come to know Christ. You've been praying for them so long you gave up praying for them. Like they'll, they'll probably never come around, right? You stopped inviting them around to church functions and church things because they, they, the answer was always no. And I'm telling you that 2017 could be their year. Put that slide up, Natalie. Here we go. This one right here. 2017 will bring liberty for many of your friends and family. And this is my challenge to you. Don't be silent. Don't be silent. This is the year. How many in this room, uh, 2016 was the year you found liberty? How many? A few of you. How many in this room, 2015 was the year you found liberty? On and on, I keep going back year by year. For everybody in this room, there was a year that was your year where you had people in your life that had given up praying for you because they thought he's always going to say no. She's always going to say no. It's a hopeless cause. And you found Christ found you. You found Christ in that year. And you're a changed person. There were revolution came to your life. And I'm telling you, every single one of us in this room, Every single person in this room, you have people in your life, in your circle of influence, that this is their year. And they're waiting for you to open your mouth. They're waiting for you to open your mouth. Do not squander that opportunity. Do you know how Living Hope Church as a church grows? Do you know how we grow? It's not because we do cooler songs. It's not because we put on a, a cooler Easter event. It's not because of any of the stuff that we do. All that stuff has its place and all that stuff is important in its own way. But the way that Living Hope Church grows is when people come to Jesus Christ. It's that simple. You have what people need. Living inside of you, the Holy Spirit of God, Jesus Christ, you have what people are looking for and what people are need. You have the liberty that they're crying out for. You have a relationship with the one that they believe has forgotten them. And maybe they're just waiting for you to reintroduce them to something that they have grown distant from. And I'm telling you, this is the year. Every person in this room, there's somebody in your life that at least won somebody, that this is their year to find God's favor again. Don't waste opportunities to bring revolution to their life, to continue to grow this revolution in our community. This is, this, you know what I love so much about Living Hope is it, it's, you know, when we tend to think of church, we tend to think of an organization, uh, maybe something that's got a little bit of a country club type feel, a little, you know, members only type thing or, you know, whatever, a lot of clicks and, you know, uh, insider stuff going on. What I love so much about Living Hope Church is that it feels less like a church and more like a movement. More like a movement. Like God is doing something. It's not just us, you know, it's not just the frozen chosen getting together to have a good time once a week. It is God moving in this community, in this area, through us, in the lives of people who desperately need him. 2017 is the year for us to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Amen. So be bold. Now, what does be bold look like? I'm going to close up with this. What does be bold look like? It's just as simple as this. Like, like prayerfully 
constantly be weighing out situations and conversations that you have with people. God, is this, is, is now the time, is now the time you want me to say something? Is now the time that you want me to, to speak up, to be a little bit bolder in my conversation? I'm not talking about beating people over the head with your Bible. I'm not talking about insulting people at every turn and calling them dirty, lousy sinners. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about sharing the hope that you have found. What's the greatest way for you to share Jesus with somebody that you know? Just tell them what he's done for you. Like, this is how I was, and these are the things that I was, you know, and for everybody's story is going to be different. For some of you, your story is going to be, man, I was spiraling out and, you know, I had addictions left and right and whatever, and Jesus lifted me up out of that, you know, and, 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 and whatever. For others of us, maybe that's not going to be, you don't have the dramatic, you know, rescued out of the miry clay story. That's, that's not your story. Maybe your story is, you know, I had a great job. I, had, I, had a, I have a good family. I, I wasn't in great need of anything. Everybody around me seemed to be pretty healthy. But there was this nagging thing in me constantly going, there's got to be something more to all this. You know, those people need just as much rescue as all the rest of us dirty dogs, right? We're all in need of rescue. And Jesus Christ is our rescuer. Don't keep him all to yourself. That's not what this faith is all about. It just means that you live in relationship with people in your life, at work, at school, in your community, in your family. And when opportunity arises, when the questions come, instead of backing away and changing the subject, you just share. Like, I don't know all the answers, but this is what I know. This is what Jesus did for me. Why don't you come to church and you, you find out more? Somebody, somebody else will tell you all the rest, but this is what I know what he did for me, right? Every single one of us can do that. Just be bold enough to go, God, whenever you need me to speak up, I'll speak up. And if you need me to shut up, I'll shut up and let you do your thing. But I'm here. You just spiritually kind of give me a little elbow and let me know when to open up my mouth and say something. But be bold about it. Be bold about it. Don't be afraid. What are you going to be afraid of? What are you going to be afraid of? You're rescuing someone. Like, like we're so afraid we're going to offend someone or say the wrong thing or do the wrong thing. You know, if you come across somebody that's like dying, like physically, literally dying in need of rescue, you don't like back away like, ah, I might do it wrong, I might offend them, right? No, no, you jump in there, and even if you get it wrong, you're like, I'm just going to do the best I can, or whatever, and you, and you try to help that person. The same thing in our faith, man, you got people all around you that are dying, spiritually dying in need of rescue. And God sent you to introduce them to the rescuer. And so be bold. Amen. Let this be the year of revolution. You, you had your year of revolution. Many of you in this room, you had your year of revolution. You had your year where you found liberty and you're continually that liberty and that freedom and everything is constantly being renewed. and You're growing closer to Christ. You've had that experience, that encounter with the Messiah that we need just as much as, as they needed him 2000 years ago. Now it's time to introduce somebody else to their Messiah. It's time to share that liberty and that freedom that you've found. It's time to pass that on. Let's revolutionize this community. This is the goal. The goal of Living Hope Church, you've heard me say this a dozen times if you've been here very long. The goal of Living Hope Church is not for us to pack out this room and grow to be the biggest church in the county. That's not our goal. Our goal is to work in, in and on God's kingdom to the point that this community begins to resemble the kingdom of God. That's our goal. 
We can draw a crowd. There's, we can serve beer to this morning and draw a crowd. It's not about drawing a crowd. It's about bringing revolution to a community to where this community begins to resemble the kingdom of God. That's what I'm working for. That's what we're all working for. Why do we do church? Why do we reach out in this community? Why do we come together and worship? Why do we raise up, do our best to raise up godly kids? Because we're working on a revolution here. We're working on a revolution here. And revolution takes time and it takes persistence. And it takes occasionally getting kicked in the teeth and getting back up again and keep working on it. Because here's, here's the thing. We have an enemy that hates that we're working on a revolution. He likes things exactly the way they are. That's not good enough for us. It's not good enough. It's not good. Here's what I know. If we continue to work on this revolution together, if we continue to work on making this community look more and more like the kingdom of God, we will pack out this room because people are coming to Christ and people will constantly be entering into brand new and growing relationships with him. That's going to happen. But that's not the goal. The goal is changed lives. The goal is changed lives. The goal is to introduce people to the rescuer that we are. Who here loves Jesus? Like, if you can't raise your hand that you love Jesus in church, something's wrong, right? <laughs> like, that's your first step of boldness right there, okay? Yeah, like, I believe that, too. I believe you. Because be, like, here's what I know. I, like, I love Jesus. Like, I, I'm, I, and you've heard me say before, I, not just the idea of Jesus, not just the idea of, of being a part of a church or a religion or whatever else. Like, I love my Savior. I love Jesus Christ. I love what he's done for me. I love that he walks with me, that he leads me, that he guides me. I love my Savior. And I want to share that with as many people as I possibly can. And I want to challenge you to do that this year too. This is what I know, that every single follower of Jesus Christ, you weren't just called to follow to make yourself better. You were called to follow and create other followers. You're called to be disciples who go out and make disciples. That's the call. That's the call. Like Jesus didn't die to make you, Jesus didn't die so you would stop cussing. That's not what happened. Jesus didn't die to get you off that booze. Jesus didn't die just to clean you up and make you prettier and more presentable to the world. That's not what this is about. That stuff, you know, some of that stuff will just overflow out of a beautiful relationship with Christ. But Jesus didn't die to make you a better person. He died because you were dead and he wanted to make you alive again. There's revolution going on here, folks. And we have a role in that revolution. It's our job to get out and proclaim that this, this is the year of the Lord's favor for so many people. Get that in your head. We're going to close with this. Everybody, I know I already said that once, but I mean it this time. Every single one of you have somebody in your life, somebody that you care about, that this is the year of the Lord's favor for them. Every, here's, here's, what I, here's what I know about that. Like when I hear that news, don't you get a little like, I wonder who it is? You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, I wonder who it is. I wonder who it is that I care about that's far from God, that this is the year that they're going to enter into this beautiful, awesome relationship with Christ. I can't wait to figure out who that is. Every single one of you in this room, you've got somebody that this is the year of the Lord's favor for them. Be bold. Be bold. Let's be bold together. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your word to us. We thank you that you're such a good God that you did come 
to rescue us because we couldn't and still can't rescue ourselves. I wish I had enough strength to just do life with you all by myself and on my own and figure everything out on my own. And time and time again, I've proven to myself that I just don't have that strength. I'm too flawed. I'm too sinful. I'm too human. And so God, I rely on you. I need rescue daily. And I trust in you for that rescue. Thank you so much for sending your son, Jesus Christ, to rescue us, to pay the price for our sin that was too high for us to pay, to pave the way for us to live in a beautiful, holy relationship with you, even though we at our core are so unholy. Thank you that Jesus gets to stand in our place. And when you look at us, you see his holiness. Thank you. God, forgive us when we are fearful about sharing the good news of your son with people around us. Forgive us. God, make me bolder. Make me bolder in my faith. This part for me, God, is getting up in front of a church full of people is the easy part. Give me boldness when I'm sitting across the table from one person. Give me boldness to speak up and to help someone move closer to Christ. Someone that I can point to with a name and a face, not just a big body of a bunch of people. God, give me boldness. God, and I pray that prayer for everybody else in this room. God, give us all the boldness that it will take to continue and grow this revolution. And God, we pray this morning that Dixon and the surrounding communities, because of the work that you're doing in us and through us, will every single year begin more and more and more to look like, to resemble your kingdom. Help us to become a people, a community of people who think with your kingdom ethic, who think through the lens of the cross. God, I pray that you would just transform all of us into that. Thank you for using us the way that you do. Thank you for rescuing us when we needed to be rescued. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.